We are celebrating Gateway's 21st birthday today. We started 21, yeah, yeah. We started 21 years ago, 1998, on Easter Sunday. We are now legal, Gateway, so happy birthday. (laughs) I don't know. So, James, there was a picture in there of a baptism from many, many years ago in a hot tub in somebody's backyard, and I think you were in that baptism. You were part of that. So, James Eagle, James, what are your memories of Gateway from you're representing the little folks that have been here for a while, so your parents connected really early. So what are your memories from Gateway? Yeah, so in 98, I was eight years old, but we actually started in February of 97, I believe, over at the Showers was the first place that we met at, and I turned seven in March of 97. So I was, we were a part of that uh, from the very start. There were so many memories that I have that I kind of had to think through which ones to share and which ones not to share. But a couple memories I have, I remember... All good, though. All good memories. All good. Nothing embarrassing about any of your elders (laughs) or anything of that or staff members at all. But I remember learning very early on and constantly being told that church is people. It's not about uh, the building. And we were in so many different places, in, in homes, in basements, in community centers, three different schools, and then, and then finally here. Um, so, but it, it was always about the people, and church was, was that of the people. Um, I remember Mr. Allen coming over to my house and sitting on the couch with me and talking with me about what it meant to accept Jesus into my heart and going through a little booklet with me and asking me questions. And he prayed with me as I accepted Jesus into my heart, and then being baptized shortly after that, part of that video, we were outside in a hot tub, and I remember Jordan Allen was the one who prayed over me before I got baptized uh, at 11 years old, I think is how old he was, so yeah, I I remember all that. I remember spending my summers over at your house back when it was just you and my mom working out of your basement, and I would come over and go to work with her, but hang out with the the Allen boys all day uh, in the summer, so that was a lot of fun. And then I remember as a teenager, the building opened in August of 18, is that right? Officially? Unofficially? 17. 17. 17. And I remember as a junior, so in junior in high school, so in 2007, being at my small group on a Thursday night and Mr. Allen was going to come, which was a big deal for Mr. Allen to come to our small group, and sharing this vision of this building that we were going to have. Okay. Um, And... And how, as seniors, we were going to be the first ones to break okay. it in it and really, than we really thought, do it. Yeah. So a, li- a couple years later, but that's okay. I'll forgive him for that. <laughs> but then the other thing I remember is the seemingly hours of door knocking surveys that we used to do when I was a kid. So yeah, <laughs> that, a lot of fun things. As I said at nine o'clock, that's your dad's fault, not mine. <laughs> so speaking of door knocking, Althea, you guys have been here a while as well. You came here as a child. Um, of course, yes, and, I like that. Uh, you and Dean were one of like two, maybe three families who actually came to church because we knocked on your door. Yes, yes. So why have you stayed over the years, Althea? Well, my small claim to fame is that Terry Eagle and I were the original doo-wop ladies. So, you know, <laughs> and then there's an awesomely tremendous, I can't say enough about this baby ministry that you cannot pull me out of. I will not leave the babies. So there. (laughs) Pete, you also have been here for a while. Yes, sir. When we started Gateway, we started on Easter of 98, and we contracted with a 
a marketing firm out of California. There were a lot of churches at the time that were doing this, and part of the package was, you know, send out a boatload of postcards and, you know, make them slick and groovy and, and people will come. And so we sent out some slick, groovy postcards and we sent them out to 20,000 homes. We got all dressed up on Easter of 98, expecting the huge crowd of you that were going to come. And not one of you came, and I'm still mad about it. Not one single person from Northern Virginia came because of these postcards. So we learned that works in Atlanta and Dallas, but it really doesn't necessarily work on you guys. But weeks later, or sometime later, Pete's family came in response to this, and partly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah partly. You have a question for me, though? Yeah, so my question for you is, what, what's kept you, Pete? What's kept you? Ah, there are a lot of things that have kept me, but I'm, you know, I think one of the first things that I remember about when we first came to Gateway was that you were leading worship. And for me, that was a big deal as a guy who had led worship with other churches and other ministries. And I, I felt like I could get behind your vision and your heart for discipling and growing our faith in relationship to God. So that was really cool to me. So having stayed as long as you have, Althea, has it ever gotten hard to be here? Yes. <laughs> so whenever Ed says, let's group the ties, and I'm okay. posing for dramatic effect. <laughs> but seriously, you know, Gateway is my family, so... As with all families, there are quirks and misunderstandings, you know, family stuff. And as with all families, there's love involved, and more importantly, Jesus Christ. And you just get over yourself, you love each other, and you move on with the business of keeping your family growing and thriving. Evelyn, Evie and Rob were in college with me in the 1830s, and <laughs> Evie was just a child. Rob was already old. Um, and... They were living in Northern Virginia, had been here for a while, and part of us coming to Northern Virginia was through our relationship with Rob and Evie. And they were, we were in conversation with them about whether or not they would connect with us from the very beginning. So, Ev, what are some of your memories of, over the years here at Gateway? Well, um, the first memory that comes to mind is because of one of the pictures we saw of the people that were getting baptized in that hot tub. We had baptisms over the years in everything you can imagine. Backyard pools, hot tubs, I think a horse trough once. And the, my favorite, my absolute favorite baptism wasn't that long ago. We went out to western Loudoun County to a creek and we scrambled down the sides of the, the bank and we baptized several people in the middle of that creek on a beautiful, sunny, breezy day. And it was just like, you know, stepping into the gospel. I just loved it. And then I have an, another memory. Okay. Yeah. This one is, if you've been around for more than a year, Ed in the summer times likes to take a book of the Bible and get more in-depth. So we do a summer Bible study. And one year we did Leviticus. <laughs> As you can see, there are some people who remember the year that we did Leviticus. <laughs> yes. So what happened was... <laughs> The reason they're doing that, Ed was afraid that doing this book might take some of us aback a little bit. Be a little boring. Okay, be a little boring. So he said, every time that you hear the word Leviticus, I want to hear you say, woo! 
and it's kind of stuck. You know, you'd think that would die out over the years, but it hasn't. So, so anyway, that year we did this book and <laughs> tricked you there. <laughs> and we worked our way very carefully through the scriptures over the summer, learning about how God's plan for his people was redemption. And we actually built a model of the temple one Sunday on our stage like this. And we had someone dressed as a priest, and he worked his way from the outer courtyards of the temple towards the holiest of holies where redemption would happen. And Ed walked us through the scriptures and explained how that process went for the ancient Israelites. And he had told us beforehand, when the priest enters the holy of holies, I want you to praise the Lord, yell as loud as you can. Well, we were a small congregation, but I'm telling you, when the priest entered the Holy of Holies, it sounded like a stadium, like a huge stadium full of people. It was unbelievable, and it was so loud, I actually covered my ears. I was screaming, too. <laughs> and somehow, a, there must have been music, because a conga line spontaneously <laughs> formed, and church was not over for quite some time. And that's probably my favorite church service I've ever been to of all time. So, Althea, you really did come as a young woman. And what were your expectations of church, and, and how has that changed over time? Well, I grew up in the Caribbean, and so I attended a traditional church where we wore our Sunday best twice on Sundays. We were at Bible study and prayer meetings on Wednesday evenings, and Friday nights we were at the young people's meeting. We had beach barbecues twice a month, we had different community outreach events. Gateway was a little bit different though because we started meeting in people's homes, your living room, the showers, the Allen's living room, uh, the Eagle's living rooms. If we were being fancy, we went to the South Riding Town Hall. Um, <laughs> when South Riding was in its infancy, before the giant and the bloom, y'all, <laughs> we would participate and we'd take turns making snow cones or running the dunk tank. You know, so what are my expectations? Whether or not we have an established building or we're meeting in a cafeteria or somebody's living room, I expect that we are still going to strive to serve the Lord our God with all our heart, all our souls, all our strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves, as we are commanded to do in Matthew 20. And as James 1 tells us, we need to remember that religion is simply this, to just be there for the widows, the sick, and the orphaned, and to keep ourselves unspotted in the Word. Amen. So James, you are now living in the Radford area, have your own family, but whenever we can drag you up to Northern Virginia and face this traffic, what excites you about what you see here, James? I think what excites me most is the growth that I see, remembering where we came from, remembering meeting in those living rooms in the basements in different schools and whatnot, just seeing uh, all the growth that we're here. Um, and an excitement as well, because there are so many people that I look out and I see familiar faces. Um, I have a lot of memories with different people, and I see, you know, just a little memory comes back to me. But there's so many more faces that I see that, that I'm not familiar with. And that's an exciting thing, because that tells me that Gateway has not stayed stagnant. It hasn't stayed in the same place. It's moving forward, and it's growing uh, tremendously, which is an awesome thing. Pete, same question. What excites you about what you see God doing now and in the future? Well, for me, one of the reasons why I've kept coming to Gateway is because of small groups, building those relationships and growing our community. And as James mentioned, we're growing, and we have a lot more faces that I'm unfamiliar with. And I'm excited about how small groups will continue to draw ourselves 
into community, into relationship with one another, growing old, doing fun things, and changing lives uh, in and around ourselves and, and the community. So I'm excited about that. Evelyn, you end it for us. In a minute, what excites you about what you see God doing now and, and what you see for the future? Well, now that we have a building, it's very exciting to me that Gateway has been able to open a preschool and after-school kids' ministry, Gateway Village. And I love seeing the kids and the parents and the teachers coming and going from our facility all throughout the week, knowing that we're able to touch all of those young lives. That's been really exciting to me. I have a few dreams that I, I'd like to see us use our fields for uh, the community to really truly be a community resource center for around this area and to bring people in and show them the love of Christ. I'd like to see us uh, maybe have a teen hangout place. And then my own selfish wish is for a senior hangout place someday. Yes, yes. I agree. Okay, happy birthday, Gateway. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what you have done. And it's truly what you've done. And thank you for what you're going to do. And we are profoundly and estimably grateful that we get to participate. Lord, I pray for each one of us this morning. There are those of us who are looking in, contemplating whether or not we want to invest. And I pray that you would speak words of yes, or here's how, or maybe no. And Lord, for those of us who are all in, I pray that you would help some of us not grow weary in doing good. And for others of us, Lord, I ask that you would equip us and strengthen us to uh, pick up the pace. We love you so much, as Althea reminded us, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so this morning, we still, after all these years, give all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of you. In the strong name of Christ our Lord, we pray. And all God's people said, 1998. Google was launched out of a rented garage in Menlo Park, California. In 1998, there was no Facebook, no YouTube, no Twitter, no Instagram, no Pinterest. There was no Reddit, no Tumblr, no WhatsApp, no LinkedIn. There were no Google Maps, Google Books. Google had just been founded, but there were no Google Goggles. Likewise, there was no iPhone. There were no cameras on your phone. There was no iPod, Blu-ray disc, Amazon Kindle, Skype, Gmail, Wikipedia, iTunes did not exist. It was the dark ages. <laughs> In 1998, construction began on the International Space Station. The cost of a gallon of gas in 1998 was $1.06. Today, its average is uh, 287. How about some trivia? What film won the Oscar for Best Picture in 1998? Tell your neighbor if you know what it is. I'm going to give you some options here in just a second. 1998. Okay, give me the options. It was A Bug's Life, of course. No, it was the Titanic. Titanic won the best, uh, Oscar for Best Picture in 1998. In 1998, what was the top catchphrase? What was the top catchphrase in 1998, culturally? Is that your final answer, who wants to be a millionaire? How about this? Which musical star was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II in 1998? All right, give us the answers. Some of you are too smart. It was Sir Elton John. What was the worldwide, there's no accounting for taste here, what was the worldwide best-selling single of the year 1998? It was Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. No explanation for that. I'm just reporting the facts. 
Gateway Forward. Over our 21-year history, as you've heard, we've met in a variety of locations, homes, schools, community centers. This is my favorite location of all the places we've met. We've also been through various stages in our life together and some great stages. Infancy and we learned to crawl and, and we had conflict and we had failure and we had some awesome stuff happen and some stuff, tough stuff happen. Of all of our phases, this is my favorite. This is my favorite stage of Gateway. We've got a group of people here today who are giving their sweat and blood to make this happen. And I don't just mean setting up chairs, although that, and putting down carpets, although that, and taking care of our children in the back and upstairs, although that. But I mean all week long, making Gateway happen. There's another group of you who are stepping in and figuring out how you can be a part and contribute. And I love that. And there's a group of you who are standing on the edge wondering if this is where you want to invest. And that's all good stuff. I love that as well. This is my favorite stage. So what's next for Gateway? Well, if you miss everything else, don't miss this. I'm gonna, only going to say that one more time today. There are two of those today. But don't miss this. What's next for Gateway is the exact same, only different. Okay, so let's start with the same. To answer that question, let me ask another question. What is the church? I realized this week when I was thinking about this, 107 years ago, Diane and I got married, and we went on, we went on our honeymoon to Bermuda. We went to Bermuda because... I had met a girl on an airplane coming back from North Carolina to, uh, I was living in Boston going to seminary, coming back to seminary, she was also engaged, and she somehow, she had this contact, knew this man who lived in Bermuda, who had an apartment downstairs under his home, kind of, and he would rent it out to pastors or seminary students, $50 for the week. So, yeah, so I said, okay, so I called him up. It's a true deal. He really would do that. The only stipulation was you had to preach in his church on Sunday morning. <laughs> so on our honeymoon, I preached on Sunday morning. <laughs> okay, it was romantic, all right? <laughs> and I preached on the romantic topic of what is church. It was really the first sermon I ever preached. Within three or four weeks, I can't remember exactly, of us starting Gateway in 1998, I found out that I preached this sermon, What is Church? Because this is so essential to what we do. So to start this, let's just take the Word itself, and then we're going to look at a passage from the New Testament that gives you the clearest snapshot of the church in the New Testament. Also, it tells you what they're doing and the nature of the church. So we're going to dive into that just a little bit. We won't be long today. And then at the end, I'm going to tell you about the what's different part. But this is the what's same part. So ekklesia is the Greek word that we translate in the New Testament, church. And it was a, just a common word. It meant, in Greek, assembly or gathering. In ancient Greece, when they would call the citizens of Athens together to have a meeting in the very early, early stages of democracy, they would call that an ekklesia. 
So the early followers of Jesus just took that word and baptized it and used it for themselves. I think they did so partly because it is a compound word that comes from the word ek, which means out or from, and the word kaleo, which means called. We are the called out ones. We are the called from ones. So at some point in our history, God said, Robin Evie showers here. Greg and Kim O'Gorick, here. Dean and Althea Salami, here. That's why Nate said here this morning, that's why Jordan says almost every Sunday, you're not here by accident. We believe you've been called here. And I'll say something firmly, if you're not called here, we don't want you. You may be really nice. We're glad to meet you, but we don't want you if you're not called here. Because the church is the called out ones, the called from ones, called from your neighborhood here to do what God wants us to do. So let's look at this passage now to give us a kind of a, a deeper dive on what the church is. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2. And Acts, you may know, is the story of the early Christians after Jesus. He's been resurrected, he hung out with them for a few weeks, and then he leaves. And he says, I'm going to do incredible stuff through you. And Acts is the sort of first chapter of Jesus doing incredible stuff through his people. So Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Stand with me if you would. Let's go old school. Let's stand out of reverence for God's word. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Listen to this. It's just a snapshot. Like, pause for dramatic effect, church. I'm going to take a picture. And this is that first picture of the first church. And they devoted, them, they devoted themselves so they went all in. This was a significant part of their activity and who they were. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. That translates the Greek word koinonia. That word is important to us here at Gateway, and it has been from the beginning. That word is translated association or partnership or community or fellowship. This is our word. They devoted themselves to that. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Wow! And now he teases that out a little bit. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Remember that one. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Remember that. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, doing life together. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, remember that one, those who were being saved. You may be seated. So number one, they devoted themselves to four things, right? They devoted themselves first to the apostles' teaching. So what did the apostles teach? The apostles broke up in the Old Testament, and they told stories, and they read Psalms, and they said, this is what God's like. And in particular, they found things that reminded them of Jesus, and it caught their breath, and oh, this reminds us of Jesus. And then they told stories of Jesus. And this is the same thing we do at Gateway still today. This is why we break open the Bible, because it tells us what God is like, and it tells us about Jesus. Second thing they devoted themselves to was fellowship, or community. This was central to their lives. We see it even later in the outworking of this paragraph, don't we? But this is so critical to us here at Gateway. In fact, this is a critical part of what we believe our mission at Gateway is. From day one, we have said our mission is we exist to be used by God 
to draw others into authentic Christian community. We're going to say that together, Gateway, on three. One, two, three. We exist to be used by God to draw others into authentic Christian community. And by community, we mean doing life together, partnering, associating with one another, hanging out with one another, being in one another's life, strengthening one another, growing one another. Paul uses this phrase, presenting one another complete in Christ. We're trying to draw other people into that. And we have to talk so much about that and work at that so much at Gateway because we live in the American suburbs. In fact, we live in one of the capitals of American suburbs, don't we? You know that the average American today moves more frequently than every seven years. I don't, can't remember how to say that, but in less than seven years, the average American moves. So we're just disconnected from one another. We don't have those kinds of relationships. You know, many of some, well, some of you anyway, you, you may have done what Diane and I did. We were fortunate enough, we moved into our neighborhood when the neighborhood was being built, and we moved into a cul-de-sac. So, you know, we got to know our neighbors. Because you get beyond our cul-de-sac and no idea who it is. You, you go four houses down past our house, and I, I, I haven't even met her yet much less know her name. Some of you were not fortunate enough to move into that kind of setting. You move into a neighborhood that was already established. You might not know who lives next to you. Some of you are in town home, and you don't know who lives next to you, and you can hear them yelling through the walls. So here's what we do. We get home at the end of the day, and 10 months out of the year, right, we hit the, the thing on our garage door, we pull into the garage, then we close the garage, and we go inside, and we go into our cocoon. We don't know who lives around us. When I was growing up, I grew up in a town that had a population of 600 people. It was a tobacco town in South Carolina. I could not go, apologies for my graphicness, I could not go to the local little dime store, and there was only one, I could not go to the local little dime store and buy pornography because the man behind the register was married to my piano teacher. You couldn't get away from community. Our lives were interconnected with one another, but you and I don't live in that kind of a place. So if we're going to have connection, we have got to devote ourselves to it. And that's what the church is. It's a fellowship. They devoted themselves to this, and we've got to even more so. Third, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. When you think of this, think of the warmth of a meal together. Think family Every day, they were breaking bread with one another. Again, recognize this is happening constantly. And also know that when they use this phrase, that's not accidental. They're using this as a, already there's a teaser here. There's a reminder that this is the meal in which they remember Jesus. So already by this point, it indicates that this meal had become something sacred to them. I, I think this refers, in fact, to more than just the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, I think this refers to all of those sacred acts of remembrance, like those baptisms that we were talking about. And they devoted themselves finally to prayer. This is, of course, communicating with God, talking to God, hearing from God. They devoted themselves to this because you can't have a prayer life unless you devote yourselves to it. If you spend four times a week tossing up a prayer on your way to work, good luck. What you'll often feel like is, wow, I feel like my prayers aren't getting past the ceiling of your car. They might not be. They devoted themselves to the activity of prayer. So taken as a whole, here's what we're going to say. Church is a Christ-worshiping, God-honoring, all-in, deeply devoted to God and one another community. I want you to think of all those little dashes, that dashed-up word, 
Think of that as like one adjective to describe the church. The church is a Christ-worshiping, God-honoring, all-in, deeply devoted to God and one another community. That's what we've tried to be here at Gateway. And we're still going to be that. In fact, we're going to work even harder at it. Because there are more of you. And there are more coming. There are more in our area who need to be involved in a network of relationships that revolves around Christ-worshiping, God-honoring, all-in, deeply devoted to God and one anotherism. And we need to offer that to others. So we're going to work at this even harder. Now, some of us grew up thinking of a church as a social club. It's a place where you could connect with your friends. Some of us grew up thinking of church as an institution. It was this thing that did something for us, or maybe it didn't. And we would go once a week or twice a year, and we would punch our ticket. And it was, again, it was this institution. I want you to know, for those of you who, who tend toward that, don't spend much time around my wife, because Diane has gotten very good over the years at when people will say something like, you know, Gateway really needs to so-and-so. Diane will smile and sweetly say, who is Gateway? It's you. So what you're saying is, I really need to do so-and-so, right? It's not an institution, it's us. It's a network of relationships. Some of us grew up thinking of church as a fancy building. I loved what James said. You know, he grew up knowing that church was people. That was one of the advantages to not having this facility. Our children were never fooled that the church was somehow this thing with beautiful building with stained glass windows. It's not a building. It is a Christ-worshiping, God-honoring, deeply devoted to God and one another, all-in community. Church is a network of relationships that rely on the power of God, and we're still going to be that. So what's Gateway's vision going forward? Exactly the same. Only different. So now for the different. We've spent the first 21 years, in effect, here at Gateway, building an infrastructure, emotionally, spiritually, physically, that could support the kind of deeper, wider growth that I believe God desires for Gateway. So, you know, you all know this, but if you're a parent, you especially know this. If you're a parent of a, a, a young child, you're, well, you're experiencing it right now. Children have to learn everything. They've they got to learn to eat. And then they learn to speak, and, and they learn to walk, and then they learn social cues, and they learn how to, they learn to essentially to be an effective part of society. At a certain point, they get teenage brains, and uh, just stupid stuff happens. And then uh, not long after that, adult brain settles in, and then we start, right, we just start collecting experiences, and, and we start categorizing, and, we, and we're, uh, we're learning how to be an effective us how to live and breathe and move in the world, you know, and be us, be an adult. That's not a bad analogy for churches, and it's not a bad analogy for what is happening and what has happened at Gateway. And so we've spent 21 years building an infrastructure emotionally, spiritually, physically, where we can inhabit who we are, where we can be who we are, where we can kind of move into the adult world and take up more of what God dreams for us. And I, I really believe that's what's happening now. You also need to know that what we've been working on from this point up until now, we're still going to be working on. I'm doing a community study with a group of people right now. And the other night I was asking the community study, why aren't we experiencing more of just the richness of Christian community? 
And somebody said, that I'm going to quote, the lack of organizational processes incorporating people that are new that's holding us back. Wow, great answer. And we're going to keep addressing that. We need some of you to help us address that. Some of you have sat around the edge and thought, how do I get involved? We're still trying to figure it out. More of you came all at once than we were expecting, by the way. So we need your help in helping you. But we're going to get this figured out. And we're going to become even more of an adult in the process. And when we do, what happens then? What will Adult Gateway do and be? As I said, we will do and be exactly the same, only different. So did you notice, here's the difference, did you notice in the Acts passage there are three features of their life together that were amazing, that we haven't touched on yet? One, the Lord extended his reach through signs and wonders. Two, the church took care of all who had need out of their common resources. Three, the Lord added to their number regularly those who were making a connection to God for the first time. One at a time. One, we will look actively and increasingly to God for Him to do amazing, supernatural things through us and our ministry. Let me give you some quick ideas what I mean. We will expect, and I believe we will see, people get healed here regularly through our prayers at Gateway. We will see marriages healed we will see people physically healed through our prayers here at Gateway. We expect, and I believe we will see people set free from spiritual and emotional bondage through our prayers here at Gateway. Memories and stuff from the past that has drugged you down for years, we will be set free. We will invest in large causes, regional and national causes, moral causes, social causes, justice causes, and we will see changes because God uses His people in these ways. Secondly, we will get better and bolder at telling God's story. Individually, we will work on how to tell others what God is doing in our lives, and we will do it more consistently, Gateway. Corporately, we'll get more creative, partly because we have more resources. We'll get more creative at making God's story known throughout our region. We're going to get better and better at that. And you're going to help. A few of you have got ideas right now. Well, let's be patient because some of those ideas are bad. But some of them are great. And we need them. And we need to put them into play. Third, and most importantly, pause for dramatic effect, second time. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. We will give crazy amounts of money, time, and talent away to meet the needs of those around us. And if you're not signing up for that, don't sign up for Gateway. That's what's next for us. We're going to give crazy amounts of money and time and talent away to people who have need. And if you don't want that in your life, then you don't want to be part of this because this is where we're headed. We will collect our resources, which we do every Sunday, by the way, and we do it online. And more and more of us will give more and more of our resources so that we can together give more and more away. There's a, a woman named Ina. Some of you know this story. Ina is in a village in the Dominican Republic, desperately poor village, up in the hills outside of uh, Santo Domingo. 
And we have supported Ina for almost a decade. We give her money, and part of what we do is, for the last few years, two weeks out of the summer, we go down and work with her with children. Started with an elaborate summer program with children, and now she has a Sunday morning meeting. Some of those children have grown into teenagers, and those teenagers are now reinvesting back into the younger children, and she's built a little support structure there. And the vision from the beginning was to build a church, and that is happening, and to build a school. And she is right now looking for property, and we're going to have to give her a lot of money so that she can buy property and build a school, and it's going to be a world-class school. Ina is one of the best reading teachers in America. I'm not exaggerating. And she felt called by God to go to the Dominican Republic to build a world-class school among citizens that don't even have a birth certificate. So she's going there to build a world-class school, and we're going to participate with her. And I see us doing that in 15 more places around the world. I see us going to Sri Lanka, and China, and India, and East Africa. I see us investing insane amounts of money, and time, and talent. I don't see us going on one or two mission trips a year. I see us going on 25 mission trips a year. And I see every Sunday morning after church, there is some collection of people from Gateway that goes somewhere and does some kind of ministry in a prison or a food pantry or a local crisis pregnancy center or somewhere in D.C. or somewhere in West Virginia. I see us building schools and clinics and churches all over the world. Look, we are really rich in money and talent. And we don't have what we have so that we can store it and stare at it. God has given us what he's given us so that we can put it to use for the kingdom. They will give us their faith. They will give us their joy. They will help us grow in boldness and generosity. They will teach us to let go of worry and to release our resources to God. And we will give them money. And we will give them computers and computer skills. And we will help them manage their projects and help them build their buildings. And we will get the better end of the deal. As I said, we live in perhaps the most resource-rich area in the history of the world. We've been given those resources, and we have been given them. We've been given those resources so that we could share them with those in need. As Gateway goes forward, we're going to figure out how to release our resources on a massive scale to affect the world for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, there were so many times in our history when I could not imagine being here, and yet here we are. And I look, Lord, at what I'm convinced you are dreaming for us and what you are willing for us, and I can't imagine. But I know that what you've called us to do, we don't have tomorrow, we don't have yesterday. We've got, somebody reminded me this week, Lord, all we got is right now. And so all we have to do right now is do right now what you're asking us to do. And for some here, Lord, that means step in. 
We've been on the bench too long, or we've been outside, we've been on the bleachers, or we've been outside the fence. And you're asking us to step back in, all in, time, talent, treasure. This is what we were built for. We were made for this. So call us in and show us where. Continue to help us, Lord, strengthen the infrastructure to build out our adult body so that we can accept and absorb and release. For others of us, Lord, we are tempted to grow weary in doing good, but help us to not, because we know in due season we will reap a harvest of righteousness. And Father, we submit Gateway to you, and we pray that she would become all that you planned for her. You know, Lord, this morning, I pray for those who are going to lead this church beyond me. Call them out. Touch their hearts and their shoulders and put them in the game. Show them where you're pointed and give them the strength to follow. And when they grow weak, Lord, because I know they will, I know from experience, when they grow weak, I pray that you will strengthen the weak limbs. And once again, we give all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of you. In the strong name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. I hope you have a great Sunday. Go in peace.